Welcome to Speak English, Think Jewish, Episode 2. Welcome back. Uh, I would like to dedicate this episode in memory of the soul of Michael Nechamkin and for a speedy recovery of Noemi Emma Ada Bas Alba. If you were wondering where the name Think Jewish comes from, it's from a book called Think Jewish by Zalman Posner. You can find it on Amazon, an amazing book. And today we'll talk about the first chapter in that book. So the average American Jew numerically is 2% of America. And culturally, he considers himself Western. But we have to understand that the Western culture, the premises and the values of the West originate in Christianity. There's nothing wrong with that, nothing to criticize, but the problem is that the average American Jew, he discusses religion in Christian terms. It's like you want to listen to Apple Music on an Android phone. You think, come on, you know, just both phones. But really, they have two different operating systems. There was a teacher, Rabbi Shmuel, who used to say that sometimes we have a question and an answer, but the question is still a question. Sometimes, after the answer, we have no question. So he said, I might ask a boy, why were you late for class? Even if he answers that he overslept, the question is still a question. But if the boy answers, I wasn't late, I came on time, then there's no question left. So I propose, instead of answering questions and accept the initial assumptions, let's give a fresh perspective that makes the questions irrelevant. So in general, we think that the rabbi is the Jewish equivalent of the priest. The synagogue parallels the church. Shabbat is the Jewish version of Sunday, and so on. Now, kosher is always challenged because it made sense in the olden days. But now that we have government inspection, kosher is obsolete. So we are made of body and soul. And the body is lower than the spirit. So in Christianity... The truly dedicated will spurn the flesh. So, for example, the monastery is the religious institution. When we observe a good Christian, he consecrates a place for worship, a day for serving God, and out of all of man's abilities, he dedicates some for divine service, like prayer, song, understanding, faith, the higher faculties of man. And then he selects one person to stand apart and above, theoretically completely dedicated to the divine service, his clergyman. In time, he has a day. In space, a building. In man, his mind and heart. In mankind, a cleric. So what is the appropriate way to serve God, to be religious? Through prayer, through faith, through worship and song. From your throat up, your gods. And God alone knows who owns the rest. What goes out of your mouth is important, not what goes in. Who made that statement? It was an initial step in Christianity's breaking away from Judaism and founding a new faith. And here is the real question about kosher, the assumptions that lead to the challenge. You know, I can understand if Judaism insists on prayer, on faith, and on charity, but what is this business about food? You can serve God with your mind, your emotions, your higher faculties, but 
not with your supper. So because dietary laws cannot be religious, then they must have some other significance, logically hygiene. And this is the challenge to kosher. Until the American Jew stops thinking in these Christian categories of what is an authentic religious experience, he will never be able to meaningfully accept Judaism. The next man's ideas might be perfectly valid for them, for him, but they are not mine. So what does Judaism say about serving God, an authentic religious experience? The answer is totality. All the man, all the time, in every place, under all circumstances, in every activity, can serve God, can communicate with Him. Whatever the Jew does can be a channel, a bridge between himself and God, or it can be a barrier. Yeah, for sure, mind is part of man. Spirit, song, faith, these are all human. So these are all legitimate experiences of God's closeness. But so is your food your business, your recreation, your family, your disappointments, your ambitions, your fears and envies, and, and, and your aesthetics. The mind and heart are avenues to God, and so is your food and family life. This is what it means, totality. There is nothing intrinsically higher and lower. On high holidays, with the synagogue jammed with people, covering your eyes and crying out Shema Israel, meaning and feeling every word. This is worship. This is religious feeling. Anyone will subscribe to that. But the Torah tells us that at the breakfast table on a random Tuesday, you can serve God just as well if you eat the way He tells you to eat, when your meal is more than just a satisfaction of appetite, when you're conscious, you know, you say a blessing before, kosher this is an altar this is sacred man addressing god in a language other than words alone sounds a bit far-fetched a piece of animal hide can be used for various purposes you can cut out a piece of shoe leather and use adjacent piece for a torah parchment the torah parchment is leather physical matter but it becomes holy we stand in its presence we embrace it what happened to the piece of animal skin? We used it for a higher purpose, and now it transcends its materiality. Everything we encounter can become a Torah scroll when we use it properly, as Torah prescribes. And this is thinking like a Jew. Let others decide for themselves what is religion for them. What will enable them, make them aware of God? What we insist is that we have our own ideals or our conceptions, our communication with God, our awareness of His concern for us. And because Christianity looks down at flesh, there's no reason for us to be upset about kosher. We pray in many languages, in the language of the mind and the heart and the family and whatever we do. Which is the superior service of God? Who cares? We're not keeping score, we're living. So on Yom Kippur we serve God one way, at the office, we serve Him in another. With our family life, we serve Him. And in our intellectual pursuits, we serve Him. The total Jew serves Him. Now, what was that question about kosher? Isn't it obsolete now with government inspection? What in the world does government inspection have to do with the total human experience being a religious opportunity? We don't need to answer the question of the obsoleteness of kosher 
All we need is to examine our preconceptions and reaffirm our Jewish perspective. The question disappears. If you enjoyed this, make sure to subscribe, share with your friends, and don't forget to speak English, but think Jewish.